Hi, this is Jeff Brown, Editor-in-Chief and Owner of Cohesion Press here in Australia, and you're listening to the Grim Tidings Podcast. Our guest today is the founder, CEO, and Editor-in-Chief at Cohesion Press, a small press publication based in Australia specializing in action-based speculative fiction with a focus on bringing readers the best in the military horror. Published authors include Jonathan Mayberry, Weston Oakes, James A. Moore, Karen Warren, and many more. As a writer, our guest has an extensive background, including publication of numerous pieces of both nonfiction and fiction across multiple genres, with a particular propensity for both military and horror. As an editor, he also operates Cohesion Editing, offering authors the finest editing services and cover design. But that's not all. Our guest also spent two years as the president of the Australian Horror Writers Association, Skyping in from Bendigo, Victoria, which, as the crow flies, is 8,043 miles away from Salem, Oregon. The Grim Tidings podcast welcomes Jeff Brown to the show. Jeff, thanks for hanging out, man. It's cool, man. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, definitely. We've had a, a few... A couple publishers highlighted so far. We've had a, uh, we spoke to Tim Markwitz with uh, Ragnarok Publications previously. We had um, Adrian Collins on the show. He publishes Grim Dark Magazine, and now we have you. And today we're going to highlight your small press in Australia called Cohesion Press. And then we also have uh, Katie Cord from Evil Girlfriend Media joining us on the show as well. So we're offering our listeners kind of an insight into the uh, publishing of darker fiction. And uh, you are our guest today that we're going to highlight. And so let's talk about your small press publication cohesion press and kind of tell us the story of how that came together for you well i blame my wife for this i've always <laughs> wanted to publish stuff and i keep kept telling her i wanted to publish stuff and then one night she'd had enough of my my whining and she said look just do it so i did i thought how hard can it be then i realized how hard it can be <laughs> <laughs> and it's been fun ever since um we started in 2013 our first publication was as you mentioned earlier karen warren she's a multi-award-winning australian writer of dark fiction um i had a an idea of where i wanted to go with cohesion which was specifically the military horror but that took another year to actually get the first anthology out so before that we published a couple of things trying to to see if we could penetrate the market a little bit before we focused so snafu really was the the series that kicked off the the press as a whole would you say that absolutely absolutely snafu is our, our our flagship it really is so that is a military horror anthology tell us about snafu and what what your plans are with that series i originally wanted to bring out published stuff that i love to read and i love to read military crossover horror things like it also includes sci-fi things like doom dog soldiers halo all that sort of stuff Dead Space, another great example. So I wanted to publish some of the better writers in an anthology along with some new writers, and that way we would be able to take advantage of the better writers' fan base for sales and get the newer writers read by the fans of the big writers. And I really appreciate that that philosophy with targeting those popular authors and then pairing them up with folks who write really good shit but don't have yet the exposure to to a reading audience. So I really appreciate that philosophy with highlighting those lesser-known individuals you have some pretty popular authors that you acquired for the Snafu series as well, including Jonathan Mayberry. Yeah, we, John was in one of our very first, well, was in our very first Snafu. He was actually the first author I contacted about this. And he was most happy to give us a story, which was quite a long one with his iconic character, Joe Ledger. What does Snafu actually stand for? Situation normal, all <laughs> fucked up. Uh, I believe it's a, a World War II military acronym. 
okay. I, I looked for a while for something catchy and memorable for the titles, and I came up with a few different ones, but Snafu just stood out. It does stand out. I do like that as a title. And I wanted to also award you the uh, Grim Tidings podcast, Two Thumbs Up, Cool Cover Bro. Um, as far as the cover design you guys have coming out from Cohesion Press, everyone is smoking. Eye-catching, eye-popping, artwork is superior, great uh, text design, but uh, your covers are smashing uh, as well as the fiction. It's always been a big big thing of mine. If you're going to put a book together, put a brilliant cover on it. It's no use spending 50 bucks and half an hour putting a cover together when you can find one of the best artists around for horror and pay him a ton of money to do it for you. You have an artist on staff that, that does all the uh, covers for you, or do you do you have multiple people doing it? I've been folk, I've been using a, a UK artist by the name of Dean Samed. He's um, very, very highly regarded in the industry. He did a lot of work with Permuted Press, and I found him through there. Uh, he's done covers for Stephen King, uh, the entire Dark Tower series released in France. And um, Clive Barker, he's done a cover for one of the um, Hellraiser comic spin-offs. So he's quite well established in the in the genre, and he's worth every cent that I pay him for his wonderful artwork. So, do you think um, uh, we're you know we're we're mostly focused on grim dark uh, as a genre, but we're we're all in all dark fiction focused podcast. Uh, do you think there's any bleed over from a sort of darker? Uh, medieval style fantasy and then military style horror fantasy? Absolutely. There's definitely a crossover. A lot of our stories are set in medieval. We have um, a couple of stories that were set uh, in the Viking days. We have some others that are earlier. We have one that crosses an entire time span from back in the Paleolithic period all the way to the far future. Grimdark is about the darkness within the characters, I believe, and this, it's almost like a, a fantasy type of noir. Well, soldiers, soldiers can be dark. Soldiers suffer so much that it changes men. So it, Grimdark can certainly move outside of the fantasy genre, and if it does, I think it's perfectly suited to the military horror genre. Could you give us any examples of like um, military conflicts that are the backgrounds of your various stories? Uh, for example, World War One or World War Two or... <laughs> Uh, any sort of medieval We've wars? We've got everything from a Viking war um, where they were trying to take an island belonging to another clan leader all the way through to um, fights in medieval Britain and also the Romans versus the the, um, the, the Celts in pre-medieval Britain. Um, we've got World War One, World War Two. We've got Korean War. We've got Vietnam War. We've got everything. We've got modern modern tales set in um, in Iraq and Iran. We've got future tales, especially in Future Warfare coming up, where we look at military science fiction. How we've got weaponized dinosaurs fighting in, in the latest release, <laughs> Survival of the Fittest. Giant yeah. T-Rex covered in, in an exoskeleton with rail guns and, and mortars strapped to his sides. Yeah, that's the that's the cover when I was looking at your website. I said, "Oh shit, <laughs> fucking dinosaur with lasers on his on his head." Yeah, all- yeah, cry havoc by Jack Hansen. It's it's the first of, of a series. We've published the first two. Now we're waiting on the third manuscript to come in. That is one of our most popular covers. I traded conventions and people come running up and say, "I want one of the dinosaurs, please." <laughs> they don't even look at the back. They just want the dinosaur. 
Yeah, that's, that's a great cover when people just want it on on cover design alone. That's that's a good start for, for sales, I, I think. Um, Absolutely. And covers do that. Covers sell books. And it's amazing how many people don't don't utilize that, especially, I think, in, in some regard, indie publishing. Sometimes authors just phone in the cover and it, it, it clearly shows. And I'm not sure why people waste so much time and energy into writing something and then putting a piece of shit cover on it just does them no favors. Agreed completely. Cover art is... Uh, it's so important. Um, so really, cohesion seems to be kind of born out of that that mashup of military and horror together. What is it about those two genres that appeal to you as a writer and an editor to to bring cohesion press to to fruition? I love action and I love horror. I love the, the suspense and fear. So to combine both, I mean, who better to to fight vampires or giant creatures and soldiers with massive guns and training? It's going to be a great combination. And I've always loved um, survival horror as well, like Resident Evil and things. If you look at those, they're always cops or some um, SWAT team. Um, so many video games nowadays, first-person shooters especially, which I have a real soft spot for, are military horror. You've got soldiers fighting invaders from from some other galaxy. You've got Halo with the super soldiers. It's just exciting and fun. Absolutely. And you have a, a rather extensive horror background, including two years as the president of the Australian Horror Writers Association. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was that was good. I had a year before that as vice president as well, so three years all up in the committee. So tell me about your experience with uh, with that uh, with operating that, that outfit and what was it like to be the president and, uh, and being uh, fully ingrained into the horror scene going on in Australia. It's fantastic for networking. You get to meet some amazing writers, and I've made lots of lifelong friends out of it. It's good to be able to see the way the, the industry works. Well, it's not an industry as such. It's just a, a loose collection of horror writers based in Australia and New Zealand, I guess, but to see how, how people work under the scenes and to help try and bring all of that so that everybody's helping everybody. It was a, a great experience. A lot of work, but a great experience. Do you feel that's important for writers, especially nowadays with there being so much competition and and word of mouth is very important? Do you think it's, it's important for people to be part of some kind of group or association that way you have support from multiple fronts and not just going it alone i do i think it's very important other writers by nate by their very nature are isolated you're sitting in front of a, a laptop or with a notebook out in the garden or or something and you don't mix with people because you're too busy writing and most people don't understand writers in the way we think. They look at us and say, well, when's your next bestseller? And we think, oh, I wish. But to be able to talk and network and, and Skype and, and chat online with other writers, you get what you're going through. It's so important. It's a support network that we all need. And so how many uh, how many years would you say Cohesion's been in operation at this point then? Um, well, we published our first in August 2013, so just over two years. And a year since Snafu. A year and a bit since the first Snafu. So with two years under your belt, what has the experience been like uh, operating the press? Any surprises on the way and any particular challenges operating a press in Australia? Um, in regard to the amount of work that's involved, I've learned to, that, that sleep is something that's occasionally allowed here and there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it's... You know, it's not compulsory. Um, there's so much work you just don't realise, and especially, I mean, people, a lot of presses just release the book and then just forget, fire and forget. But there's so much work after the book is released to maintain some sort of presence. There's so many million books out there that if you don't follow up on all the releases, then they just get swallowed and disappear. Um, as for Australia, it's just basically the time frame, the, the the time zones. I'm always working. 
12 to 18 hours either ahead or behind most of the people I work with. Most of our authors are US or UK. Most of our artists and, and such, well, our artists are UK. Our, my two editors, luckily, are, are um, Australian. So they work in real time, or as what I call real time. <laughs> but I think that with the new the, the, the internet paradigm, the worldwide connection, if you get your name known out there amongst people, it doesn't matter where you're from, you can still work. I mean, I've made hundreds of networking friends amongst big to small authors over the years, and I think that the internet especially has opened up everything for everyone if you make the most of it. So you're the first horror-focused person we've had on the show so far. Is there any horror fiction out there that, that you would suggest for people to check out if they haven't checked it out yet? And maybe maybe something that would appeal to the more fantastical side of horror? Horror is such a big genre. You've got everything from people like Jack Ketchum, who writes horror that's strongly based in reality, that are actually based on true crimes, yet still a horrific all the way through to Jim Moore, who writes a lot of um, fantasy crossover horror stuff. He's got a two part two parts of a trilogy out now. Uh, James A. Moore, and there's just so many different varieties of horror. It's really hard to pin something down. I mean, I definitely recommend John Mabry. Absolutely, Jonathan Mabry's books are fantastic. They're action based, real world science thrillers, sort of a cross between. Stephen King and Michael Crichton. Definitely early Dean Koontz. I'm not a big fan of his later stuff, but his earlier stuff was a great straight-up horror with a crossing towards some fantasy sort of um, things here and there. But again, it just comes down to individual taste. Horror is such a big genre, and it appears in every other genre as well. You've got horror in romance even, where people are scared of losing their their, their other part, their, their partner. So horror is the only genre that, that, that flits through everything. There's plenty of horror in in fantasy. You read um, R.A. Salvatore and all the Brit series. They're strongly based in horror. You've got all the, the fantastical creatures. You've got the, the fighting of the... the evil intended um, antagonist so horror is everywhere yeah i agree uh horror kind of infuses uh multiple other genres and that's uh one thing that we definitely appreciate as far as the industry as a whole uh horror being um you know tv movies uh fiction prose um everything that's out there what excites you about what's it what's going on in horror today I love how it's becoming much more mainstream accepted, especially in TV series like um, Walking Dead, American Horror Story. It, I mean, in the eight, late 80s and through the 90s, horror pretty much died as a genre. People weren't interested in reading it or watching it. All the horror movies that came out were, were, were really B-grade and C-grade, and they weren't big budget releases, but now that's, that's really turned around. You've got... Um, yeah, like I said, the TV series that are out, there's um, there's many more horror literary releases nowadays. And people like John Mabry and Stephen King are really making a comeback with Gaiman too. Neil Gaiman. Would you, would you say your titles with Cohesion Press would be easily adaptable to TV, movies, or video games? That's always something we ask people because... Seems seems nowadays uh, there's so much you can get from one story. You could you could get a, a TV show or you could get a movie deal or anything. What wh- which titles do you think fit that mold the best? I think any of the snafu would make a great TV series, definitely with the, the short, sharp one hour 
um, episodes, different military horror each week. But for long-term crossover, I'd, I'd look at Jack Hansen's um, Secret Files of the League of Silence, the weaponized dinosaur series. The actual universe is so well fleshed out. Some some people have compared it to the the the, the spread of the Star Wars universe, where there's so much out there, and we're already looking at creating a desktop card playing game and it is definitely open to video games along the lines of first person shooters or third person shooters it's just brilliant stuff definitely cry havoc or forlorn hope what would the card game entail various dinosaurs blowing up blowing up shit (laughs) Uh, there's a lot of strategy as well there's a lot of strategy in there you've got large-scale battles between the two major forces in the universe which is um the, the the earth forces, uh, Terran forces run by the League of Silence and the um, the Dominion, which is the main antagonistic group within the stories and they're constantly, it's like a giant game of chess in the universe they're constantly trying to overtake new areas and sometimes sacrifice areas to get access to a new area so it would be very, there'd be a lot of um, strategy involved definitely but there'd be some big shit ass fights too <laughs> and when you bring those dinos in, they just rip the hell out of any opposition. Um, as far as the publishing industry goes, you're pretty much ingrained in it, being an editor and a writer and a publisher. I mean, you're in it in the thick of it every day. From your vantage point, where do you see the publishing industry going in maybe the next five or ten years? Well, over the last few years, we've seen the massive influx of self-publishing. I think that's starting to even itself out now with 50 million rubbish books compared to 200,000 great books. And people are starting to look more for specific authors. They're looking for quality in cover. They're looking for proper editing and proofreading. So I think the the self-publishing industry will sort of narrow down and it will stabilise more so than it ever has. I think there's always going to be a crossover now between self-pub and traditionally published with um, fans of both. There are so many rabid fans of self-publishing that won't read traditionally published and vice versa. So I think that'll stay and I think we're looking at pretty much 50-50 mix of e-book to print book. It sort of varies up and down depending on who who does what study, but it seems to be pretty well set now that e-books are here to stay and about 50% of the, the sales. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned here to stay. That actually happens to be the tagline of Cohesion Press. Kind of give me your, your philosophy and your business practices there at Cohesion um, and the way that you relate to your authors and, and your, your philosophy in, in bringing the best fiction to readers. Well, the way I see it, if I treat my authors and well and look after them, put the authors first, then they're going to do the right thing by me and they're going to spread the word that we're a quality press. And we're going to get more and more name authors who come to us and want to release stuff. We're already signed um, S.D. Perry for a novel as part of our upcoming Natural Selection series, which is bio-horror, sort of like Jaws and Eight-Legged Freaks and all that sort of classic nature-gone-awry stuff from the 80s and 90s, which I love. We just do the right thing by our authors and put out the very best quality stuff for readers. And we're getting a great response from that so far, picking up a real big fan base, which is good. Excellent. Yeah, it's good to have fans and readers are definitely... (laughs) Oh. Absolutely. I'd, I'd prefer fans than awards because, let's face it, purchased sales are readers' awards, and that's what gives money to our authors. So as far as uh, the editing hat that you wear, some people that listen to our show are writers and would be interested to know from an editor's standpoint, what causes you to reject or accept a submission? Is it is it kind of immediate does it take you the the first five pages is kind of the common saying is once you've read the first five pages and you're not hooked, then 
it's on to the next one. What what's your, your philosophy as an editor in that regard? Def- definitely option B. If they haven't hooked me by the first two pages, then I'll skim read the rest and see how it goes. And if it can be salvaged, if it can be you know, brought to something that really grabs your attention. But if it's full of typos and full of um, telling rather than showing, I don't often give it much of a chance because that's just too much work to bring it into play, and we get so many submissions. You have an open submission policy, or is it, or do you do you require agents to send things to you, or is it any way the author we, can get it to you? We did have an open submission policy for the first eighteen to twenty months, and we were inundated absolutely swamped at this point we've we've combined the two we've we're agented only except for very specifically military horror and i give examples of what i'm looking for doom and things like that so we're open to a very narrow style of writing but everything else must be fully agented to to even be looked at otherwise i've just got no time to actually make the books i'm too busy reading submissions and you folks are are you currently picking up any staff for cohesion up until now, it's been me and me, <laughs> so it's been pretty hectic. I, I, I do all the internal designs, I do all the editing, um, I have a, a proofreader, but now we're expanding next year where I'm, I've already made arrangements to employ two full-time editors, and we're looking at, a, at finding a full-time marketing person, somebody who knows our narrow industry of military action-based horror, somebody with experience with another publisher who, who has that that genre and that'll give me a little bit more free time as well so you're a writer as well um mentioned you wrote a memoir called hammered can you can you tell us about that hammered yes when i was young i had a very colorful life i was from about 18 i was pretty much took every drug that you could imagine as many times as possible so 25 years of severe substance abuse ending up with a 10-year heroin abbot that I've now been clean for 10 years. So five years ago, six years ago, I I wrote Hammered as a way to try and show people that it can be done. You can get off and you can overcome that sort of lifestyle. That's uh, that's pretty awesome that you were able to overcome uh, overcome that that beast uh, for sure. So I would definitely direct uh, our listeners to check that out uh, for sure. Are there any other titles that you have forthcoming that our listeners should uh, be on the lookout for? Well, definitely. We've got Blurring the Line, which is actually edited by Dr. Marty Young, who was the founder of the Australian Horror Writers Association. He came to me with a, a proposal, and I took him up on that. It's a horror anthology based on reality, so blurring the line between fiction and, and what's real. We've got two stuff who's coming out in the next six months. We've got Hunters around the end of the year, which is based loosely around, if you can imagine, supernatural Dean and Sam style hunters of supernatural creatures. And we've got Snafu Future Warfare, which is coming out probably first quarter next year. And that's all sci-fi, military sci-fi. We've got Western Oaks writing a story for that and Mike Resnick as well. And then we've got American Nocturne, a a collection by Hank Schwabel, a multi-award winning American writer, who it also includes one of the probably what will be one of the final authorized Carl Kolchak Night Stalker novellas, an original one, and our very first bio horror style story, Into the Mist, by a New Zealand writer called Lee Murray. That's our, our next five lineup, and they're all underway at the moment. So you told us before the show that you're plan you're planning on moving into a a sane asylum at some at some point or you're in the midst of doing that what what does that involve that's kind of a uh, 
not a normal <laughs> move. <laughs> Maybe moving from one apartment to another is normal, but uh, moving from yeah. a house to a lunatic asylum. Maybe. Yeah, it's not something I thought I'd ever do. I've wanted to for a while. For about three years now, we've run riders' retreats in a couple of big 1800s lunatic asylums that are here in the state I live in. And just recently, we had the opportunity to buy around 14,000 square feet of buildings within one of the asylums. So, of course, we did, as anybody would. <laughs> um, and we're, we're, we're starting up ghost tours through the facility, um, paranormal investigations with all the, the, the equipment like you see on the ghost hunting shows. We're going to screen horror films in the old theatre, which ran as a town's theatre for 20 years, so it's already set up for screenings. Um, we'll have mini monster film marathons, um, festivals, and just, yeah, eventually live on the grounds. We're looking at purchasing a cottage there as well, 12-bedroom cottage to run the riders' retreats and for us to live in. So, yay, so moving to a lunatic asylum. <laughs> yay. D- did you have a housing agent tour you around the asylum? Like, oh, here's the uh, kitchen area and here's the... Uh- <laughs> we have two bedrooms here. Nice. What kind the of owner, the owner gave us some master keys and just let us show ourselves around, which took days and days and days. The place is massive. It housed nine hundred patients and four hundred staff at its peak. Oh wow! Wow. So yeah, it's, it's pretty big. You're going to live a fully ingrained horror lifestyle. Not only are you, you know, <laughs> writing it editing, publishing horror fiction, but you're living amongst an insane asylum, having ghost tours and all that stuff sounds pretty exciting. Literally. It's one of the most haunted places in the country and maybe the world. We've had, there's been over 9,000 recorded deaths since it opened in 1867. Wow. <laughs> Where can the locals um, go online to find out more about this this venture? Is there a website started up? Or? Ah, yes, absolutely. Asylumghosttours.com. So if you're an Australian, you want to get the royal shit scared out of you <laughs> have you stayed the night at this place already yourself we've slept there plenty of times and i've seen and felt and heard some really strange stuff before our retreats and after my wife and i stayed by ourselves to first set up and then to clean up after everyone leaves and just with us two in the entire facility it is creepy and you hear footsteps and there's whisperings and one night we went to bed we watched Annabelle because of course if you're going to be by yourself in a haunted asylum you <laughs> horror film as, as anybody who's totally sane would and I just set the laptop up on a chair at the end of the bed plugged in everything at the end of it switched it off woke up in the morning and it was completely unplugged and the plug and the adapter were about five feet away from each other and I guarantee you no one else was in the place because I had master keys and everything was locked wow yeah Annabelle Annabelle (laughs) that's cool Cool yeah there's actually been a horror film filmed in there recently we're going to screen that the very first screening but we're going to get a screener copy ourselves and the wife and I are going to watch it by ourselves in the asylum so we're going to be watching a horror film in the asylum that it's set in horror film inception there yes exactly (laughs) that sounds pretty exciting Phil I'm amazed we got through the whole conversation and we didn't mention uh, koala bears at all yeah yeah, we we always mention koala bears um, for some reason I don't know when that started Um, you've just mentioned koala bears so the (laughs) the, continues (laughs) yeah are there any koala bears inside the asylum lurking around a few outside they've been seen in trees outside and an echidna as well Last time we rolled up, there was an echidna sitting outside the door waiting to greet us. <laughs> wow. Are, are koala bears dangerous at all or rabid? 
Do you, do you generally not stay rabid, away? But, but they can be dangerous. They've got quite large claws, and yeah, they're usually fairly docile and everything. If you don't hassle them, and you you normally can't reach them anyway, they're too far up in the trees. But if you try and grab one, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to you know <laughs> say much for your chances of getting out of that little thing unscathed. <laughs> So you want to just walk up to a koala and start snuggling it? Uh, no, no, no yeah. probably not. Maybe at an animal farm or something where they're used to human interaction, but not one in the wild, no. They've got quite big claws and pretty sharp teeth. That would be creepy if you were in the asylum late at night and then there were just like a koala was just stalk, like stalking <laughs> through the asylum. That actually happens just, with our possums. The, all the, the possums, possums who are possessed, are. I swear to God, they are. They're totally possessed. They're not like your possums. Ours are a marsupial possum. They're cuter, of course. <laughs> but we actually went on a tour through the the um the roof space, the the attic, and this one possum followed us all the way through about half a kilometre of attic. It's got, by the way, um, uh, probably about a third of a mile, and it just stayed just out of torchlight, just watching us all the way. And all you could see was his glowing red eyes, just all the way there and all the way back. It stayed just out of torchlight as well. He was just fucking us. with you. Yeah, it was, and they are <laughs> demonic. I swear they're all possessed by ghosts. There's Ugh. a story there. Demonic, demonic. possums. Oh, yes. Demonic possums. <laughs> Upstairs in one of the uh, one of the wings, the corridors are just trails of blood because possums tend to fight quite a lot and they've been having full-on death cage matches up in that one <laughs> section there's just rivers of blood down every corridor and in every room it is so disconcerting <laughs> yeah that's called the bull pit that section as well but the, the horror fan inside of you is just all giddy though when you think it oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely we hung around there for hours one night right <laughs> some ghost stories on the grim Have you guys ever come out to australia Come along to the asylum. We we have um, rooms there available all year round for people. <laughs> I'll shit myself. Do if you want. <laughs> do, you, do you have extra? Do you have extra underwear and clothes? We and sell adult diapers from the gift shop. Wow, oh, really? Because okay, cool. <laughs> we're having I'll a cafe that. slash gift shop slash bookshop there as well. We're setting up an old kiosk for that. Is Halloween pretty big down in? Australia? Not as big as it should be, but it's getting bigger and bigger all the time, which I really push because Halloween is one of the big industry high points for anything based around horror. Oh, yeah. I mean, for release dates and stuff like that, I mean, October is the season, right? It is, very much so. And any Friday the 13th as well. For folks who want to keep tabs on all the awesomeness Cohesion has for forthcoming where should they go online to, to find you guys uh www.cohesionpress.com or one word and we've also got a really active facebook page where we're always giving shit away so it's always good to follow us there awesome so facebook and and the website yeah we're giving away kindle voyages at the moment oh awesome yeah, giving so. away shit it's <laughs> good. giving away shit absolutely it's always good people like it when they get free shit i do <laughs> Well, Jeff Brown, it was uh, very cool to come on the show and get to learn about you and the awesomeness that's going on at Cohesion Press. Thanks so much for uh, sharing your story with us. Best of luck to your publishery endeavors and all the authors that you have signed up there. And thank you again so much for uh, coming on the show today. Ah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for the invite. And yeah, any time you want to get in touch, do so. Thanks again to Jeff Brown from Cohesion Press for joining us on the show. You can find out more and listen to previous episodes at facebook.com slash thegrimtidingspodcast or hit us up on Twitter at GrimDarkFiction. You can download the show on iTunes or Stitcher, and if you like the show, be sure to share it and leave a review. Until next time, stay grim, stay dark, stay true. We'll see you right here on the Grim Tidings Podcast. Grim Tidings.